All right. Well, welcome everyone to GDB's Yappy Hour, uh, virtual Yappy Hour. I'm super excited to be doing this today. My name is Teresa Stern, and I'm here with my guide dog, Wills, and um, I'm the Vice President of Outreach um, Admissions and Alumni Services at Guide Dogs for the Blind. I almost forgot my title because it it's, you know, it's yappy hour. Anyway, <laughs> um, so I hope you're all doing well, and I'm just sad that we're not all together um, in uh, Chicago area for this convention, but hopefully next summer we'll all be together again. But the good news is that we're meeting in the afternoon instead of first thing at the crack of dawn, which is what we usually do for our GDB breakfast. Um, today I'm joined by Lauren Kenny, who's our Director of Client Service. Services and Susan Armstrong, who's our Vice President of Training and Veterinary Operations in our Oregon campus. So they're going to help me sort of deliver um, an update. Uh, we'll also have a couple of prizes to give away if we can figure out how to do that virtually. And um, and then I think at the end, if we've got time, I'd love to go around and find out who all is here. So, uh, but why don't we go ahead and start with the presentations first, and then um, and then we'll do the um, introductions of everybody who's in the room. Anyway, so I was just um, as part of my update today. I just wanted to let those of you know who were able to make it to Oregon for our alumni reunion. Thank you so much for coming. Those who couldn't come, we'll be having one in a couple more years, so hopefully you'll be able to make it. Uh, we had a really fantastic time and um, celebrating and connecting with one another. Um, and also just letting you know a couple outreach updates. We've got um, Camp GDB starting on Monday, virtual Camp GDB. So there's going to be a virtual campfire and all kinds of stuff. So, uh, so that's for our teens um, who come to our camp. And so unfortunately, we couldn't do it uh, live and in person. So we're going to be doing it virtually, which will be brand new for us, but kind of fun and exciting. I'm looking forward to the first campfire. Uh, one of the things that Jane, who's our camp director, was doing is she's sending out little packages so everybody still gets a camp t-shirt and they get um, uh, fixins to make s'mores and some different other prizes too. So I think it'll be really fun for the kids and introducing them to the guide dog lifestyle. So I would like to just turn the program over right now to Lauren Kenny, our Director of Client Services. She's going to talk to you a little bit about what's going on in the pandemic and our operations, our field service, um, and all that kind of good stuff because I'm sure that you guys want to know what's up. So Lauren, it's over to you. All right. Well, thank you, Teresa. I, um, I'm super happy to be here. I just wanted to say that I, I really appreciate um, ACB's care and the creativity that has you know, been shown in pivoting to this virtual platform. I know it, it must have taken a, a ton of work to make this all happen. And so it's just so nice that we're still able to be here with you guys. So excited for that. Um, as Teresa mentioned, my name is Lauren Kenny. I'm the Director of Client Services. And so what that means basically is I work with the field service managers, um, Kim, our support specialist, and the support center in order to help provide the support services that we at GDB have available for uh, everyone post-graduation and as they are planning to apply or reapply. 
And I just want to say, you know, this has been, um, in terms of what's going on and what will be going on, we have all been intimately involved in this. So you're certainly welcome, Teresa and Susan, to jump in with any points I might miss along the way, because it's a uh, it's a bit um, to share with you all. So with that said, I think maybe the best place to start is kind of recapping a bit about how we have responded so far to the pandemic, uh, where we are now, and then maybe a, a little bit of uh, looking ahead to what our next steps are, as we are really very carefully planning to return to our, our full mission. And so I want to provide enough detail to everybody that you get the big picture, but not take up our all of our time or get too bogged down in some of the details that um, that are happening at this point. So from the beginning, you know, as we as we started in this kind of uncharted territory, we have really tried to adopt an overriding philosophy of leading with care. And essentially what, what this is, is, uh, you know, a reflection of our commitment to the health and the safety of the entire community. That is GDB, that staff, clients, volunteers, dogs, everyone who is who is part of uh, making what we at GDB do possible. And so back in March, which gosh, seems like seems like forever ago and seems like just yesterday as well. Um, you know, time being strange as it is these days, um, both Oregon and California began to operate uh, under shelter-in-place mandates. And so what we did was we kind of quickly began implementing plans to shift to basically essential operations only on our campuses. And primarily that meant care for our dogs, um, both the adult dogs and moms and puppies on campus, because of course they still have all of their needs regardless of what's happening in the world. So we put some coordinated efforts together and were able to move the vast majority of those dogs off campus into what we were calling our shelter-in-place volunteer homes. And, And that included folks from our foster care and puppy raising programs who were just amazing in quickly um, quickly making it possible to take these dogs off of campus into their homes and be able to take care of them. And what this allowed us to do is to limit the number of dogs that needed to remain on campus and thereby limit the number of staff that needed to be on campus as well, because we wanted to make sure um, that we were really only having those folks that really needed to be there on campus with us. And so uh, our training team at that point put together a very detailed communication system that allowed them to have regular uh, telephonic contact with these shelter-in-place volunteers so that we could make sure that we were very up-to-date on how those dogs were doing, any questions that these very Luckily for us, these very um, experienced and knowledgeable volunteers had about keeping uh, keeping the dogs training going as they could in terms of um, what would be most helpful to them as we eventually prepared to bring them back uh, to campus. Um, our canine welfare team uh, continued to be on campus providing for moms and pups. Uh, and did an amazing job with that. We were able to employ social distancing measures. We had face coverings and we staggered schedules of staff in order to be able to, again, make sure that we were doing everything we could to uh, keep folks safe. And I, I'd just like to pause for a moment and give a shout out to the volunteers um, near our campuses who quickly got to their sewing machines and uh, made and uh, vol- and uh, 
donated for us hundreds of cloth face coverings for this very purpose. Um, as we know, there's been points where getting those um, was was a little more difficult than maybe it is right now. And, and again, it's just another example of how from the very beginning, it has taken our entire community um, to make this work. So we we were able to protect those folks who did need to be on, on campus. As you are all aware, we did need to cancel our classes. One that in, or in California was um, started, but uh, was, was not able to complete. We have that very much in the forefront of our mind as we think about next steps. Um, simultaneously, we were suspending visits in the field um, from the field team. And so what many of you may know um, through the contact with those folks, we moved towards virtually conducting contact either by telephone or video conferencing. And we also began a pilot program where we were looking at conducting our home interviews uh, for folks who are in the process of applying for either a dog for the first time or a successor dog for those that were retraining to keep that moving forward so that we didn't pause our application process. And so I just want to say, again, this was a really collaborative effort because um, we learned so much um, from clients in terms of what technology was going to be most helpful in order to gather that information. Um, and folks really embraced the challenge of submitting videos um, to us in addition to the real-time conferencing to, to enable us as an organization to really go through that admissions process. And so this has really been extremely successful and I'd just like to thank all of you for your help in supporting us and embracing that uh, effort. So... Um, it's it's really been another example of just kind of the grace under pressure as everybody moves through this as one community. And so logically, I think where we fall is the question of, so what happens now? Where are we headed? Um, how are we going to approach this moving forward? Because we know um, that we are in no way out of the woods, if you will, in terms of all the considerations that need to continue to uh, to take place as we try to very mindfully move towards resuming um, our full mission at this point. And so we are really looking at a multi-phased approach. And, and what I mean by that is we will we'll start carefully and mindfully step by step and kind of resuming all the things we really need to do um, to get back to our full mission of uh, creating highly trained guide dogs and pairing them with handlers. And so we've worked really diligently to create an agency-wide plan for returning to our full mission. And in addition, each department within the organization has come up with a very department-specific plan on how we are going to do this. And we are really focused in this effort both internally and outwardly with all constituents and in, in maintaining what we're referring to as a judgment-free zone. We know everybody has their own thoughts and beliefs about their individual risk and, toler and risk tolerance level um, as, you know, staff and our constituents. And so we want to, um, we want to be aware of those and also simultaneously act um, upon the best practices that we've put in place uh, under the guidance of those recommendations from CDC and uh, our local uh, 
health organizations. So, so with that in mind, we actually have a staff person right now whose sole job at this point, um, as other things have been on hold, to be our what we are referring to as our COVID officer. So she is very diligently keeping an eye on different developments. And as you all know, that that changes day to day, moment to moment. And so she is keeping us informed of all the latest developments so that we can be making decisions with the most up-to-date information. Um, Beginning this past week, we began enacting our plan for staff that do need to return to campus to perform their jobs, um, to come back onto campus carefully, and to do that over a period of time. Again, we'll be looking at folks coming in with staggered schedules for different um, work groups, if you will, pods of groups of people um, uh, approaching their job together to limit interactions as much as we can. And folks that can continue to do their work remotely are going to. So again, we can keep each other safe. and so we are we are right in that at that point now as we are moving forward. Um, I would like to say that we are we are very aware as an organization um, of the unique challenges of social distancing um, that the recommendations for social distancing present um, to the blind and visually impaired community because of the inaccessibility of many of the tools, the signage, the other things that are being used in the public sector um, around social distancing. And so we have put together a committee at GDB that is specifically tasked with coming up with accessible tools um, as we return to campus to practice those social distancing measures. And that has been... um, uh, an exciting opportunity for us um, to be inclusive. And so we are, we are in that process right now. We are working to begin bringing dogs back to campus from their shelter-in-place volunteers. Uh, that takes a little bit of time as they are a bit spread out. Um, and we want to do it carefully and mindfully with all the appropriate precautions in place. So we are beginning to do that as we begin to bring our our uh, training staff back to campus and as they recondition to get back out there and to start working dogs again. And, and I say all of this rather quickly, and yet I want to make sure to point out too, that each one of these things that we're doing, as you look at it, there's so many layers (laughs) and so many questions and considerations that come up. So, so I'm, I'm saying it quickly, but each one of these things is pretty detailed and, and does take some time. And so as we are bringing training staff back to campus and dogs back to campus, you know, we're looking at every aspect of how we interact together as a team and also how we are training the dogs. You know, uh, part of that in, includes going out into public spaces and working the dogs in different environments. And so we're thinking about how do we approach that safely? What resources are available out there for us to enter and to enter safely? Um, what about the use of face coverings during during that process? Um, and what are the best face coverings in terms of staff, staff comfort? Um, and protection as uh, as they are working dogs. And so all of that is being looked at um, as our, our training methods as we begin having students, you know, uh, and clients come back into the training sphere. And so 
Um, how do we maintain social distance and still accomplish those things we need to do as part of our training? And where that's not possible, what is our best practice for everybody's well-being? And so all of that is being looked at very, very carefully. So I would assume that that many of you are wondering right now, so <laughs> what are we doing? What is that going to look like? When are we going to start training again? Um, when will folks be able to get a dog? And so... Um, as I say, um, a little bit of a broken record here, it's a pretty detailed plan that we need to look at as we think about that. Um, we, we just want to be so vigilant about safety of everybody. And so we are looking at the unique challenges that bringing students back onto campus for in-residence training poses. Um, and that includes, you know, what what you know, what happens, knock wood, hopefully it never happens, but what if someone becomes sick, either a staff person or a client, we need to be prepared for that. And we need to take care of each other and make sure that we have thought that all through. Um, Part of what we're doing is conducting mock in-residence trainings um, where we're fine-tuning some of those protocols. Maybe it's not until we actually get into that mock training uh, process that we go, oh, yeah, we didn't think about that. Um, And we are trying to do that with the assistance of of clients to figure out what will work best. And and, um, that's a really important thing for us to do to accomplish this. We, We really are all in this together in partnership. And so we will potentially, you know, we're looking at this point about will our first wave of, of training, you know, include bringing folks um, either doing in-home trainings where we limit how much overnight travel anybody needs to do. And when we are ready to do residence training, are we looking at maybe starting at a place where we can have folks not have to do air travel um, initially? as we, we just get started. Maybe we're talking about bringing folks in that can be brought in um, by driving. You know, it's one consideration we're thinking about. Again, it's just a very layered conversation. Um, and that it's, you know, it is gonna, it's gonna take a bit more time as we work through all of this um, before we can actually initiate the trainings, but we're getting there. We're, we're certainly getting there. Um, we want just be very, we want to be confident. We want you to be confident that we have all the, the crucial safety measures in place. Um, we are at this time starting to resume field visits and that is being done very mindfully and cautiously. Um, you know, we have folks across the country, right. And different areas are experiencing, um, resurgences. And so we're monitoring that very closely using our virtual and video contact as our first line and our best practice still. But there are folks who've been waiting to be seen because they have an issue that needs in-person assistance. And we are committed to helping and have a robust safety measure plan in place um, for that. And so I guess the one more thing I would say is that we are aware that the COVID landscape is is changing on a daily basis. Um, We are prepared to change course at any point. We are not wedded to anything we put in place as being set in stone. It feels really important um, that we be flexible and, and ready to pivot. And so we will update our protocols as safety demands. We we truly appreciate your support and patience. There has been a tremendous um, sense of support from, from the GDB family and community. And we just so thank you for all of that as we go through this together. As we move forward in this approach, I know that many of you 
continue to experience uh, restricted travel practices, either because of your own personal situation or uh, the requirements of your individual uh, communities, and that you're spending more time at home and maybe less engaged with other people. And so we would like to also have a chance to talk with you about some of the challenges we know this can pose for guide dog teams, offer suggestions um, about keeping your dog physically and mentally stimulated and guide work fresh. And so for this uh, conversation, I'd like to hand the floor over to Susan Armstrong, who is our VP of Client Training and Veterinary Operations, just a few things on her <laughs> radar um, in Oregon. So thank you, Susan, for, for being part of this conversation with us. Yeah, thank you, Lauren. This is uh, Susan Armstrong, as uh, Lauren said, I'm the VP of Client um, Training and Veterinary Operations in Oregon. I think that um, I, I know some of you, I've, I've seen the list of um, attendees, and so hello to all of you that I've met before, and um, I'm glad to meet all of you that I haven't before. Um, I wanted to spend some time on a couple documents that we put out um, in the last few months and with the idea of how when people are sheltering in place, we're in a unique time. None of us have done this before. And so I think most people are finding themselves being home a lot more and their routine interrupted. So um, our field service managers put together these two documents and um, they're available on our website. And maybe you have seen them before, um, but I wanted to go over them today. Um, one is the back to basics, which talks about keeping guide work basics fresh and fun. And the other one is called boredom busters. And I thought that one would be great for timely for July 4th as well, because um, I don't know about you, but I have my plan for my own dogs because they do not enjoy the fireworks. So I think that um, different dogs have different reactions. So some of the things on our boredom busters can be used um, if your dog is not as comfortable with fireworks. So um, the first document um, the back to basics, this is really advice about how to keep your dog's guide work responses kind of crisp and their enthusiasm high. The first thing I wanted to say, a lot of the questions that we've had um, are, you know, will, our, will my guide dog remember what it what it's supposed to do and their training. And that applies not only to guides out in the field, but also when we put all of the training dogs into homes, they were at different levels of training. And so what I would say is when, when a dog learns something, they know something. And so while they might need a little bit of a brush up, especially if they're just in the early stages of training, um, they will remember what they've been taught. And I think for those of you that have had um, multiple dogs or have had your dog for a little while, there are periods of time that maybe, you know, you have an injury or they have an injury and, and that you need to give them a break for a few months and um, that they remember their training once you get back out there. Um, but during this kind of unprecedented time and depending on where you are in the country and how it's opening up your own comfort level, um, it can be different as far as how much you and your dog are getting out there. And I'll say this again later, but I'll start with, I, I really think that not 
I would encourage you guys not to worry about uh, when to get back out there. I think it will be fine. I think that, of course, we're always here to support you, but this document and some of the things I'll talk about can kind of get you thinking about what you can do. Even even if you're even if you're having to stay home during this time, that's fine as well. Um, so I'm going to talk about maybe some things to do. I of course I always want to start with talking about consider your own health and safety first. Um, follow the guidelines that are within your area, um, and if if you're not able to get out, we have some things that you can do at home. So. As I said, dogs have excellent memories, uh, and depending on the dog you have, some dogs really, really enjoy the same thing day after day, and some dogs really enjoy variety. So um, one of the things that um, you can do is patterning. So patterning can be either using your cane or using human guide, and either going on the same route that you've always done and rewarding at you know, maybe one day you pick, I'm going to reward at the down curves or uh, one day you're going to reward the up curves, but uh, you can take out your cane or go human guide and, and heal your dog. Um, And you can put the harness on, of course. Um, Some of you have fairly long harness handles. So that would be my only uh, thought as far as if the harness handle is fairly long, it might be hitting you. uh, So you might want to pop that off as you do this, but um, you can do some patterning. Using the guide work commands, that's another thing, is just to have them hear um, the commands. And, of course, when you're patterning, everything goes right and you're, you're rewarding. So it's a, positive, it's a very positive experience for your dog. Um, again, you can either vary the location or it can be something in your neighborhood. Again, some people only have access to a really short route around their neighborhood and and that's fine. Um, I know that I have um, made a couple Costco runs, so that can be another thing as far as what where you have access to take your dog um, based on what's open in your area. You could take them um, on a Costco run with you. Um, if you have access to kind of limited, you know, you only have access to maybe a few blocks or something that's, um, you know, you're doing your routine. One thing you can change is the destinations. Um, you can pick something creative along the route. Maybe it's a bench, maybe it's a mailbox, light pole, bus stop, something where either you can use your clicker to teach them that you want them to take you to that, or it can just be something where you, when you find it, you stop and, um, you know, pull out a toy that you brought along and spend a few minutes with them. Again, all of it is just to keep things positive for both you and your dog and making it fun and rewarding. Um, you can bring higher value treats. You can bring different treats on the on the route. You can maybe hide, like I said, their favorite toy that they won't know, but you pull it out uh, when, once you get to a destination. So all those things can be exciting for a dog and can kind of break up the routine. Although, you know, as, as all of you know, dogs love routine too. You can use the clicker with this. We, you know, you can uh, go back to our, the clicker lectures are online. If you, if you want to brush up on your clicker work, but the clicker is a great tool um, to keep things interesting and increase enthusiasm. Uh, That's, that's something positive that your dog associates 
uh, with rewards. So you can stop and do some fun obedience. Those two words sometimes don't go together, but you can make obedience fun. Um, and, you know, rewarding for the correct sit position or the down position um, is just something to think about getting creative with things that you kind of think are routine um, to rewarding them and getting your dog thinking about how they can get that reward um, by giving you the responses that you want. Some things to think about as far as how much food reward you're using now, depending on where, where you're at in the relationship with the dog, but you can move to a high frequency of food reward during this time. Uh, again, um, you can be watching their waistline. I, that's another bullet point. I, I don't, I don't know about all of you, but I have found that maybe my waistline is growing a little bit during this time. So um, thinking about how much food you're giving your dog and maybe adjusting if you're going to take some extra food out there uh, with you for motivation. You can review. Michelle Puglia has a lecture that I I really enjoy uh, going back and reading as far as why your guide dogs work, just talking about what motivates a dog um, and how uh, good reinforcement can really um, lead to good behaviors. Um, you can practice greeting behaviors. Um, that can mean, you know, you, um, employ someone from your household to, you know, come up to the door again, trying to capture the behavior before capture the behavior that you want using food rewards. Um, but again, those are just little things that even if you're in your house that you can, you can practice those things. Um, you can, uh, play, I say play hide and seek, but you can, you can have your dog on a sit stay, go to a different part of the house, call them and reward them. Again, all these things are kind of uh, things to keep them interesting, interested. Uh, We talked, I talked a little bit about routine. I think that dogs really do like routine and I, and I know that my own routine has been interrupted as far as my routine of getting up and going to work, uh, on campus. So I've been home a lot more. So thinking about how can you simulate some of the same schedule, maybe getting up at the same time as you go to your office or wherever you do your work, um, having them, um, you know, and tie down next to you, possibly in their, in their harness um, and trying to maintain kind of a schedule. I think that dogs um, really thrive on routine. So that's just something else something else to think about as you're at home. And this one I, I said at the beginning, and, and I'll, I'll say it now, I would just encourage you not to worry. Uh, guide dogs can take time off without their work regressing. Um, and I think that even, even if there are little things that um, aren't as crisp as they were when you first went into a shelter in place or whatever's happening in your area that those things can be quickly um, cleaned up once you get out there and start working again. So <clears throat> I think all of the dogs that you have have been trained using clicker and food and food reward. And so learning is fun for them. And finally, of course, the field service team, we're here to support you. Should you need anything, if you just need to talk through something, um, we're here for you. So that's the, that's the, uh, back to basics document. The boredom busters document is talking about enrichment for your dog when you're in the house. And some of these things, 
again, as I mentioned before, we're at the July 4th holiday and uh, my dog does not enjoy fireworks. So some of these things can be used uh, when you're trying to distract your dog from uh, the fireworks going on. So here, these are just some ideas as far as keeping your dog entertained um, and safe and healthy. And this, the first one talks about the clicker, and we talked about that a little bit. You can teach them new things if you wanted to teach them how to shake. Um, you can use the clicker for that. Um, again, anything that you would tell them good boy for, good girl, or um, reward them for is something you can use the clicker for. Um, the next one is talking about turning mealtime into a game. So... I would imagine for most dogs that you have, they finish their meal in probably about less than one minute. So if you wanted to have them take a little bit more time finishing their meal, there's a few things you can do. They have food toys out there. Uh, one is called Buster Cubes. Again, this document has a nice link to that. If you wanted to um, take a look at what that um, is on Amazon, but that is just basically putting their food in that buster cube. And a buster cube is, is something the dog can push around with their nose. And depending on how savvy the dog is, um, it takes them a lot longer than one minute to get that, the, um, the kibble out of the, the buster cube. So that's something that you can, uh, do that's something also during the fireworks that you can save for during the fireworks. Um, the times that I kind of see the most fireworks are between about 8 p.m. and then around 10 p.m. So maybe make a plan for those two times to have something fun for your dog to do. The other thing you could do is stuff a con. And um, to do this, what you do is just simply put their meal in in a bowl and add some water. Let that soak so that it be, the kibble becomes a little bit softer and the water absorbs is absorbed. And then you put that into their Kong, either um, the smaller Kong or you can get the smaller King Kong or the larger King Kongs. And then you close the entrance of that Kong with the seal of peanut butter um, and then you freeze it. So um, I have in my freezer at any given time, a few Kongs that are frozen uh, so that that takes them quite a while to get through as well. Now, some dogs are really savvy and it doesn't take as long, but um, you can get creative about lining the inside with peanut butter and freezing. So again, it's also something that you can give them at the start of fireworks or a thunderstorm. Um, we talked about some other things you can do, work, work on recall. You can, that's in, that can be hide and seek as well, but um, either that can be inside, that can be in your yard, and it's basically just having your dog sit and stay, and then you go somewhere in the house and call them to come to you and reward. So that's a fun game that you can do. Um, booties. So one of the things we talked about when we – when we first came out with this document, it was about April. So we were talking about getting ready for the summer. We are in the midst of summer right now. So a lot of you maybe are already using booties with your dogs. But one of the things you could do um, is put the booties on um, and then play with them so that they have some positive association with the booties. And uh, that can be five, minute, five minutes, three, four times a week. Um, and... Uh, so that they have a nice association with that. Just something else to do while you're in the house. We talked about uh, greeting behavior. Again, um, you can teach your dog to go to their bed when that's something that you could do. Uh, when someone comes to the door uh, or find a strategic spot for a tie down and just practice rewarding them for the behavior that you want. 
sex bull point out. I'm not sure if this would, some of you might want to, I'm not sure it talks about listening to the lectures. You could listen to the lectures that we have online as far as just kind of a refresher, especially if you're, if you're in the first year with your dog, just a reminder. You can spend some time obviously grooming. Um, I think a lot of you probably do that outside, but it goes hand in hand with also giving maybe a massage at the same time. So grooming with the grooming tools, again, you can reward during grooming too, just to make it a really positive experience. Um, I think a massage is also a nice thing to do with your dog in these times of just needing some space to breathe and relax. Uh, I think that that can be really beneficial for both dog and human. Uh, The next bullet point talks about um, making sure that you um, adjust food. If you are going to be doing some of these things that um, require some more rewards, that you maybe adjust their foods because the activity that they may be doing uh, might be less than what they're used to. So we do, we do, recommend that if you are already feeding two cups a day and you wanted to reduce it, that you might want to think about a reduced calorie food uh, so that they have some bulk in their system rather than um, going below two cups a day. You can also purchase a new toy. I think that one of my dog's favorite things that I order every month is the Bark Box, which comes with a variety of toys. Not that I'm recommending those because a lot of those are um, toys that can be torn up easily, but you can purchase a new toy and that can be a new Nyla bone or a new tug toy. Um, and it can be just something that's novel to them um, that you break out as you're in shelter in place. Again, we talked about hide and seek and, um, and how those things can be stimulating for your dog and you when you're indoors and doing obedience sessions. So, and that is the list of the boredom busters. Um, I think that I'm, I'm hopeful that all of you are, are um, doing well. I think that we're in this unprecedented time and um, really trying to figure out, we, we haven't done this before either. So um, we really are looking forward to working with clients as we start to resume operations. Um, and we're hopeful that as you guys get back out there and a lot of you live in areas that maybe are opening up and you've already been on the road to, um, you know, working your dog and have worked through some of these things that we thought might happen after a couple months. So that is the list that I have. And, uh, I was going to turn it back over to Teresa. I think we maybe want to do some questions, Teresa. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Susan. And thanks for, um, uh, Wills has been enjoying, my guide dog has been enjoying the boredom busters. Um, and we do also agree with the waistline issues, (laughs) but, um, (laughs) the COVID-19 or whatever. Anyway, so, um, Yes, I thought we could open up uh, for questions, and Katie can kind of help um, help us with with that as well. And I would also like to put out there: I would like to give out a prize from the GDB gift shop for the person who has had guide dogs the longest. So if you've had guide dogs, but working with guide dogs from guide dogs for the blind for more than 20 years, then go ahead and email or whatever, post on the, um, in the chat, how many so, years you've had your dog. Yeah. 
Actually, we have the chat turned off. Oh, um, okay. Sorry. So okay, sorry, sorry. we'll have to think of that some other way. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, but we do have a couple of hands. Do you want to oh, take good. those okay, now? Hands or? Yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's okay. take the hands. Yes. All right. So, um, Danette, you should be allowed to talk. Okay. Hello, Teresa. And hey, Jeanette. Hi there. Say, so, um, Mr. Mayor is—he does not like um, hard plastic toys, and he does not like squeaky toys. So the Buster thing does not work for him, and neither does the squeaky toys. So I do a Kong, a frozen Kong, with kibbles and peanut butter. Is there something more I can do for my Mr. Cuteness? <laughs> I'll I'll drop that one in Susan's lap. <laughs> I think. Well, hi, Danette. Um, I think. Are you Are you trying to just for something kind of novel? To I think that there are things that dogs don't like. One of the things that might be a little bit messy if you wanted to give them some another treat is. You can, um, what I've done is take your Nyla bone and put some peanut butter on the Nyla bone and freeze it. Although, again, you're going to have to think about when you put that on the floor, it can be messy. Okay. Um, I typically... I now. He can't have yeah. Nyla bones neither because he broke a tooth. Okay. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, what about those little... But Susan, he has a flexi bone. Susan, what do you think of those, um, those little cups of ice cream, the Frosty Paws? Ooh. You know, I'm not. I'm not familiar with those, actually, Teresa. My dad, my dog loves them, and it takes hmm. them a little while to lick through it. You need to do it outside; it's messy, but um, <laughs> that might be a fun summer treat. Oh, Mr. Mayor, Teresa's got you on his honor mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Katie, do we have another question? Yes, we do. We have a couple hands here. So next, um, I will call on Beth. So, Beth, you should be allowed to talk. I just want to thank you guys for having this program. I don't have a guide dog, but I love dogs, and I'm so enjoying it. My question is a more general one, and good luck to all of you with the COVID stuff. Um, Has there been ever any thought given to – I'm a senior, and I live in a senior facility, and I have no desire to do heavy travel, street crossing and all that kind of stuff. Just walking around this – huge campus has there been any thought given to um like suppose suppose that a dog does not pass the rigorous training that is the normal realm is there any way that that if those dogs could be their services could be used for people like me who just want to do some you know good old-fashioned walking around a campus no escalators no elevators no, it's just really simple walking. Thank you. Yeah, that's a great question, and I'll, I'll let Susan weigh in as well. But I just wanted to let you know, depending on your campus, you know, that may be enough work for a dog. It just sort of depends. But, um, but I'm going to pop it over to Susan. She's our dog training and <laughs> client training expert. So, Yeah, I was, I was going to say the same thing, Teresa, that, that you might think that you – that. I think I'm hearing you saying you might not think that's enough work, but a lot of people um, have dogs that work on campuses and, um, and that that's very helpful to them. And so uh, we, we also, we do partner with other organizations that um, provide other services, um, other service dogs. Um, But I, I guess without knowing more about your situation, I would probably um, want to talk about uh, whether you do currently have enough work because um, we have a lot of clients that work on campuses and um, do just fine. 
Yeah. All right. So our next person um, is Viola. So Viola, oh. you should be allowed hi, to talk. Teresa, and hi, hi Viola. Um, I have had four dogs. I got my first dog in 1980. So I don't know if that. Um, if I I don't know if in this group if that would be the longest, but um, I miss having my dog. He passed away in 2017, so oh, I'm he was my last one that I've had. Um, I didn't have any um, question. I just wanted to, you know, I I might be okay. the oldest one here. So okay, so Viola has thrown down the gauntlet. <laughs> if anybody's had dogs before. 1980. Uh, we want to hear from you. All right. Okay. Next, we have yep. quite a quite a crew here of hands, so we'll just keep going. Okay. Um, next, we have um, Jamie Simpson or oh. Simpson. Mm-hmm. Great. So, Jamie, you should be allowed to talk. This is uh, Jamie and Wayne, actually Simpson from Austin. And um, hang up, the, hang up the phone. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question, and then. He wants Tell about how old he is. I mean, how many dogs he's worked. <laughs> my, my question is actually, I saw on the that you guys have a face mask for mm-hmm. sale, temporarily out of stock. I was wondering what temporarily out of stock means. Like, do we have any idea when it's going to come back? Oh my gosh, I didn't know that they were already, they just came in two weeks ago. Holy moly. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't have the answer to that question, Jamie, but, uh, you know, probably a couple of weeks would be my guess in order to get another stock. They're really, they are nice. They're comfortable. They almost feel a little bit like um, terry cloth on the inside. So they're really soft, which is nice. Um, they have those that are more the ear, you know, the masks that go around the ears. And then on the front, it's a blue color with little guide dogs for the blind logo on them. You know, lots of little logos. And then they also have a buff, um, which I don't think provides as much protection, but it has little puppies on it. And um, it goes around your neck and then you can pull it up over your face or you know, do your hair with it or whatever. But that also some people, I see some people using those too. So, um, okay. So I, you know, I can check in with Michelle, Jamie at our gift shop and, and see if I can't get an answer for you. Okay. We'll be looking forward to those. We got a mandate for face masks in Texas. And then Wayne wants to tell how old he is. <laughs> okay, Wayne. I'm only for five and I've had dogs, dogs for 32 years. So from what, starting in what year? 1988. 1988. Okay. So 1980 still beats you though, I think. <laughs> but I'm on. But how long, how long did they work those dogs? That's true. That's true. Well, okay. Well, maybe we'll have to have more than one prize. <laughs> <laughs> I'm keeping track. I'm keeping track. Okay, Katie. All right. So the next person that we have here is we have Susan. And I'm not even going to try your last name, Susan. Um, I apologize. It is, um, but you should now be able to talk. This is Suzanne and David Ondick. And I just wanted to say, David is right here. How long have you had? I got mine in 88. My first dog, Abbott, in 88. Kelly Martin trained him. And I have not been without a dog in 32 years. Wow. Wow. My goodness. With the other fellow. Oh, boy, we're getting... Uh, And I wanted to know who had said that they were in the class back in 88. I wonder if I know him. That was Wayne Simpson. He's from Texas. 
Oh, okay. And I'm David Ondick from Austin, Texas. And I was in San Rafael in 1988 with Kelly Martin. Okay. So you and Wayne are 88. Viola is 1980. Good, <laughs> good show. All right, Katie. Yes. So next we have Satana Howie. Um, oops. My. Let me I remember Satana from yes. when she was at Camp Bloomfield when I was a counselor yes. like 100,000 so, years ago. <laughs> Satana, you should be allowed to talk now. Unmute. Okay. We got yes. the unmute. Yes, Teresa, totally, <laughs> like forever and ever and ever ago. I I've know. known you longer than I've known Susan. Hi, <laughs> Satana. <laughs> Susan, uh, look at you. Look at where you are. How cool. Susan trained me. With my first guide dog, Tennille. Tennille was the best. Tennille was awesome. And Susan was awesome. awesome. (laughs) Feelings mutual, Satana. Feelings mutual. So my second dog, Lynn, is retired. She's upstairs. Uh, It is the shedding season, so much grooming going on. And we just washed her, uh, you know, special, big, beautiful dog bed today. Because, you know, they get hairy. It's like you pull a small dog out of the dryer, right? Yes. Yes. So, yeah. That's it. I just wanted to say hi to Teresa and Susan. Awesome. Well, so good to hear from you, Tani. Awesome. (laughs) And or Tani when she was younger. I know. Like, I used to be this other person. I know. And was a singer. And I actually had her record. I don't know if I still have it or not. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I know. And now I do voiceover. Boy shop. I I still run my mouth for a living. Good. Glad to hear it. (laughs) All right, Katie, who's next on the hit parade? All right. Next, we have Deborah Bach. So, Deborah, you should be allowed to talk. Other folks have me beat, but I got my first dog in 87. And uh, I currently have Samara. And so... I just had a, a couple questions. Um, one question, I, I know this COVID just kind of hit everybody out of the blue. And, you know, so obviously you had dogs that were ready to, you know, be given to clients and you've had puppies in the pipeline. And since you've had to stop having classes, when classes resume, are you, what's going to happen to all of those dogs that were, say, you know, ready to be given in April or May, or if you're not able to start class until, you know, September, October, or maybe next year, then what will happen to, you know, all those dogs that, you know, got ready for training in that last year? Because I'd almost think you'd be having kind of um, a flood of dogs right now. <laughs> Back so that's one question. And then my other question is, um, Samara is going to turn nine in October, October, and she's still going strong, but, you know, she's of the age where you have to start thinking about retiring and applying, you know, for the next one. So what is your best advice for applying and, you know, how far out should I look at doing that? All right. So for the dog backlog, we thought we'd send them all to you to your house <laughs> all the dogs <laughs> actually i think i will i'll pass that to lauren and to susan um to answer those questions lauren susan who wants to take this one these two rather 
Um, so it's Lauren. I, I can say something and I'm sure that Susan will have something to say too. And Deborah, you, it's, you have the same thought process as we have, you know, we have a group of folks specifically from breeding, puppy raising, training, client services that are talking about this very thing, um, about, you know, what about dogs that have been, um, perhaps in their puppy homes for a bit longer than traditionally, where do we sit with that? Um, as well as those dogs that might not be recalled um, at the same time as we would have anticipated. So um, we don't have one answer for that yet, but we're being very mindful of looking at it and and thinking about how we can um, best approach that. As many dogs as can still become um, guides, uh, breeders, uh, we'd like to be able to do that. And so... I think more to come, but it's it's just interesting how our minds are in the same place. So, Susan, did you want to say anything more about that? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, with regard to the dogs, uh, you're right. I think one thing to think about, though, is um, this: we're currently at a four month period of time where we've kind of stopped um, training clients, um, and you know, dogs dogs go out and finish as guides at different ages. And for those of you that have been around a while, you know, we dogs can range from, you know, a year and a half to, you know, two and a half as far as being when they actually get issued. So I think that the, the answer that Lauren gave is that we're all trying to put that puzzle together and we'll be looking at, we're highly aware of the dogs that not only were ready to be trained and were trained the dogs that were at this time supposed to be being recalled. So again, it's what is nice is it's not a, you know, they actually have to come in at this age. So we have a little bit of leeway there. What I will say is that the dogs that were at some point in training, those dogs are coming back now. I think that the phased approach is probably going to be the dogs that were furthest along. Some of those dogs were matched with people and talking about, um, are those clients, can we train those clients? Um, how can we, how can we do that? And how can we actually make, make that match still? And so then, then looking at some things have changed, totally changed for some people. And so all those things kind of go into the mix. Um, as far as I'm not sure if Teresa or Lauren talked about the application, I think I would, I would put your application when you think that you are ready and, and some people, you know, as you have even a virtual uh, follow-up visit or conversation that you can talk with your field service manager about that. Um, and a lot of times they'll do a home interview over the phone and, and take the information. So I would say whenever you feel like, you know, you're, you're thinking about getting another dog in the next year, or if you just want to have one on file that you can do that as well. Yeah, perfect. I would right. Mm-hmm. Oops, sorry, Our, Teresa. Lauren, oh, go ahead, Lauren. Yep. Talking over you. Um, the other thing I would just um, point out, um, Teresa, is the applicant engagement committee and how we are trying to, uh, for anybody who is applying and waiting for a dog, having some opportunities for different webinars and meetings to keep those folks up to date on where we're at, right? So um, just another way to stay connected while you're in the process. Awesome. Okay, Katie. All right, we have telephone number 7963. You should be able to talk. Well, aloha, everybody. This is Vicki Kennedy calling from Ever Beach, Hawaii, with my third guide buddy. And um, I just wanted to thank Teresa, Lauren, and Susan for all you do for all of us and so appreciate getting those 
maybe every three week memos from Lauren and all the tips and um, so grateful to all of you for keeping in touch with all of us. Um, one of the things that I have done with Buddy, and we're very fortunate to be able to walk around our neighborhood with 12-foot-wide sidewalks, uh, we do wear our masks because some people, I guess they're blind and they don't know what six feet uh, distancing <laughs> is, but but um, we're able to uh, work, you know, just by walking and and we do... We go one way one day and uh, another way uh, another day, so it keeps Buddy on his toes. But one thing that we got for um, my dogs um, were puzzles, and we'll put one Charlie Bear in it because it's uh, very low in calories, and they they kind of open up a little door and they find a Charlie Bear. And we got two, and Buddy enjoys uh, the one because it's less daunting for him. But my precious Angela, who just passed away last week, she liked the really harder puzzle, and she didn't have the um, strength to open the door. So what did she do? She would take her paw and bang it up against the wall, and voila, <laughs> the door would open. <laughs> so, Go anyway, girl those, power. <laughs> yeah, right. So anyway, uh, puzzles are really a lot of fun, and because of the uh, caloric intake of our good food that we give them, natural balance, sweet potato and fish, um, I also give him a lot of veggies, carrots, celery, yeah, apples. You know, so celery so. is the one thing I can. I my dog has turned his nose up. That's the only thing oh, I've really? ever seen them turn their nose up. <laughs> <laughs> and and once in a while, when I have my frozen blueberries, you know, he'll he'll get some too. So yeah, so that Aww. that's always kind of fun. <laughs> but thank you all so much for all you do. Oh, thank you, Vicky. A big hugs and much aloha to you. And I'm so sorry to hear about Angela. I got that note this morning. That's we will miss her, but she's now she's a real angel, right? So, <laughs> all right. All so right. I just wanted to say have, thank oh, you. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, doing that. Um, yes. To thank you to to um, to all of you um, as you have and Vicki for when I sent out those um, emails, you know, updates where folks will respond back and give me some updates sometimes about how you're doing and just say hello. And those always bring such a big smile to everybody's face. So I just appreciate, uh, appreciate hearing from all of you. So thank you. All right. Deb Cook-Lewis. Hey, hey so Deb. I have to tell you, I'm, I might be the oldest dog. Uh, I might be the oldest dog user. No, <laughs> I, might, I might have had the dogs the earliest. I got my first dog in 1972. Oh, Deb. Yeah, that's yeah. looking good. And, and here's the deal. I always, it, for I, I remember this pretty well because um, I, I remember giving uh, talks in my uh, job and people would say, how long have you had your dog? And I thought they meant a dog. And so I would say... Oh, 30 years. And they're like, that dog doesn't look 30 years old. <laughs> so then Here I had to say, 
Well, well, I had four in the first 30 years. But. I love it. Well, and I want to say congratulations to Deb. She's one of our new Alumni Association board members. So I was really pleased with that. And I just um, wanted to say hi to everybody. And I know there's people who've beat me on the dog years, and I'm not even worried about that. But I just, um, I'm so pleased because I do, six dog is is here and um, she's doing well. So um, we're just glad that you're all with us. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. And next we have Vicki Ireland. So Vicki, let me, you should be allowed to talk. Yay! Vicki, how are you? I am good. Oh, it's just great to have you guys here. And of course, my goodness, uh, thinking about all the dog years, huh, Teresa? I was going to say, Vicki, I know you're up there, girl. I am. I think mine was 73. 73. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. And this, um, I, I'm, I'm in kind of a, a little bit of a weird space, but mm-hmm. we're hanging in there. Good. Um, my Elway 7 just passed two weeks ago. Oh. Yeah. And so, yeah, I know. <laughs> and it was very, uh, we won't go into that long story, but he is now over the Rainbow Bridge, and I'm sure that he is just having a good time with all my other. He was he was my number seven, but I I had Aww. after him I had an eighth dog, and Sue will remember Bjorn because she trained Bjorn. Oh, uh, did you? Oh, yes. <laughs> well, Bjorn is um, now a PTSD dog in Texas, doing very well. Oh, good. So, so this this is I have not been without a dog, except for a very few months since seventy three. So this is indeed a very strange experience. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. I was supposed to come to class in September, and then you guys had a fire, or you know, all those fires, oh, and yes. so you know things are, things have been very very interesting. But um, <laughs> so. I'm. Uh, I will be anxiously awaiting how things go with with training. But yeah. I know. I I know everybody has just been put under some real circumstances with this COVID nineteen stuff. But thanks for doing all that all of you do. Oh, thank it's you, Vicky. Yeah, big big hugs to you, and, and we'll we'll get a dog in your hands soon. <laughs> Hopefully, even if I have to ship one of mine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we have about 10 minutes left, but we still have a couple, you know, some hands, so we just keep going okay. going down yeah, the list. Yeah, let's go ahead and do that. Yeah, yeah, let's All get right. through if we can. So next we have Sue, and Sue, you should be allowed to talk. Hi. Hello. Hello. This is this is Sue Mangus. Oh, Sue. Hey, how are you? I am good, and I just wanted to say that um, I got into class in January before all this started. And I have the most wonderful little boy named Millhouse. <laughs> That's oh, cute. Cute name. Oh. <laughs> I don't know where they came up with that one, but anyway, <laughs> he he's he's the perfect dog to have during this stay at home 
because he is so laid back. Uh huh. I mean, he, I think he's sleeping. I'm out on the patio today because it's nice here in Sacramento, mm-hmm. and um, you know he's he's fine. He'll sleep. All the, he has two modes: work and sleep. <laughs> and we are able to get out um, most days, and we go for a walk. We go for about a mile walk. So he's keeping, you know, in training. I've had to redo a couple of street crossings because he wanted to go the wrong way the other day. <laughs> but I'm not sure, you know, but, you know, he he has a mind of his own. He wanted to go one way on our walk, and I wanted to go the other way. But uh, he was funny because we went over to um, get a haircut, mm-hmm. and we went by Garcia's restaurant. We'd only been there twice you know, before we got shut in mm-hmm. and he stopped at the door, like we're going oh, yeah. to Garcia's mom. And Jenna always wanted to go to Garcia's. <laughs> I kind of want to go there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it sounds good. <laughs> so anyway, Aww. well, thanks. Sue. I got him with one of those, uh, boredom buster things for the, the kibble to put in. Oh yeah. Yeah. He, he loves it. In fact, yeah. he's about destroyed one. So I just ordered two more. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. I need to, I want to try that. That sounds awesome. Great. So, yeah, he really enjoys it. But well, well, give him hugs from us. For, yes. Sorry for people that are waiting that can't get in. Yes. 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 It'll be that much more sweet, right? When it, we all get out of this <laughs> crazy mess. All right. I think we only have a couple more minutes, but if we've got some, yes. some quick uh all right. Here. So, yep, we're going to take phone number um, 7634. So you should be allowed to talk. I'm here. It's Marilyn Smith. I'm representing my husband. He oh. couldn't come today. Okay. But he is, his was 74, and he's, had, he's on his sixth dog. Oh, and, what's uh, his name? Uh, who, my husband or the dog? Yeah, the husband, the husband. <laughs> <laughs> Roger Smith. Roger Smith. Okay. Yeah, we started out in Texas, and now we're in Kentucky. That was his home originally. Okay. And our, our this wonderful puppy, <laughs> he'll be six in September. And uh, his name originally was Thane, but people kept saying Thing. You know, oh. They didn't like that. They thought it was kind of derogatory. And so the uh, Bill Archie is his field rep in Nashville, and he was up here with him, you know, when he got him in. And uh, he got it approved for us to change his name, so he's now Hank. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love it. I love it. Well, thanks for calling in and, and tell uh, Roger hi for us, and I put him on the list. Okay, good deal. Uh, all right. Thank you. All right, and we maybe have time for one more. What do you okay, think? Okay, let's Shall do it. All let's right. Let's do it. Fire tablet. <laughs> <laughs> so I switched from my fire tablet to my phone. Teresa, it's Terry Ann Sauerman. Oh, hey, Terry Ann. How are you? I, I'm well, thanks. I, I don't count for any of this, but I just wanted to come in and say hello. But I got my first dog in 1980, March of 1980. 
Oh my goodness. I've, I've had three dogs and my last one passed away um, in uh, five years ago, this August. Aww. Tiffin, oh, little Tiffin. Tiffin. Oh, yeah. Cute. Oh my so goodness. I just wanted to come in and say hello and, and greet you all at GDB because I'm still a good friend of GDB yes. and participate oh. in their tech dog things every month. And Great. So, uh, no, and I'm just glad to be able to say hello. Oh, my gosh. Thank okay. you. Thank, Thank you. you. And I, I do see that there's still hands up. And so I just want to say if you have anything to say or any questions, you know, you can email me. Um, my email is t t s it's t stern at guidedogs.com so it's t s t e r n at guidedogs.com um and what i'm gonna do is i think everybody who told me how long they've had a dog um deserves a little something something um i'm not sure exactly what yet but um so if you had a dog um before 1990 let's say go ahead and send me your name and um and I will uh, send you out a little prize. And I just wanted to say, this has been so much fun for me. And I think probably for Lauren and Susan too, but I'll let them talk about it. But this has brought just a big, huge smile to my face. Um, and in these times when, you know, you're feeling kind of low, we're not doing what we'd normally like to do. I'm not seeing students on campus and, um, you know, and all that kind of stuff. It's just, it's just so nice to connect with everyone. And so thank you so much for coming out today. I want to thank ACB for really having their act together. Super want to thank Katie Frederick, who I've also <laughs> known for a really long time. Yeah. Um, and, um, and for your assistance today, um, Susan, Lauren, did you want to have a parting words? I just want to, I want to um, reiterate what you're saying, Teresa, and I think it's so easy right now for folks to really feel isolated and, and uh, just cut off from other people and just getting together like this and having a chance to, to be, even if it's virtually, in the same space has, has meant a lot and just really appreciate um, everybody taking their, their time out of their day to join. So thank you. And this is Susan. I'll, I'll echo both Teresa and Lauren said it. Uh, I just appreciate the time with all of you. And again, our my email is sarmstrong at guidedogs.com um, and Lauren's is lkenny at guidedogs.com. So we really, if, if you have questions, um, please email us and um, we will answer them to the best of our ability. And thank you for the time today. And just to reiterate, too, if folks um, want to call the support center at any point, you will get a, a live person during regular business hours who can likely answer any question um, you might have. And then you get that quick response instead of waiting for an email. But it's your choice completely. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. It is 545 Eastern. So that wraps up this this meeting. Great. So, Thank Appreciate you, everyone coming. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Have a good 4th of July. Woo-hoo. Independence Day. <laughs> yes. I got my first dog on the 4th of July. Did you really, so Katie? Oh, I, I love that. Oh, yes. my gosh. That's awesome. So, cool. cool. All right. All thanks, right. guys. Okay. Thanks. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye-bye.